Hello, and welcome to the Uplifting Impact Podcast. So glad to have you all here with us today. Today, I'm actually joined by Donald Thompson. And Donald Thompson is a serial entrepreneur, public speaker, author, podcaster, and executive coach. He was recently named one of Forbes' next 1,000 upstart entrepreneurs redefining the American dream. You're going to get five seconds into this conversation and understand why he was on that list. He is currently the CEO of Walk West, an award-winning digital marketing firm and the co-founder and CEO of the Diversity Movement, a technology-driven diversity, equity, and inclusion consultancy. He's also a board member for several organizations in healthcare and technology and marketing, sports and entertainment, and he's a certified diversity executive and a thought leader on goal achievement and influencing company culture. There are so many things that I want to talk to you about, Donald, today. But the first thing, well, first of all, welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad to be here. I'm excited. Awesome. Thank you. I know, you know, when we had our very first conversation, we were like, oh yeah, we're, we're going to talk about this one thing. There was one thing on the agenda and 45 topics later, right? <laughs> so today we're going to try and be a little bit more focused in, in, in our conversation, but there was one thing that, you know, really stuck with me. And it, it is something we've talked about a little bit um, on, on this podcast before, but you spend a lot of time, especially with C-suite colleagues, right? Especially with people who are at the, the top of their organizations who are in leadership roles. And we do a lot of that in our work too. And one of the really interesting things that we talked about, right? And I think we share in this, in this sentiment is that it's so important for the people in our organizations who have leadership positions to make sure that they are making investments in their own personal education and development as it relates to DEI work. I just want to say that statement, but now I want to hear what your thoughts are about it and 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 kind of where where you sit on that on that idea. You know, one of the things that you know, I appreciate the space to share on that point, right? Leaders set the tone and temperament of the organization. And that tone and temperament is not based on your standard operating procedure or your onboarding manual. It's based on our behavior. It's based on how we speak about our colleagues, whether we accept all the accolades or we use our spotlight to share those accolades with those on our team and uplift. And so when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, which is really a change, an organizational change initiative, that has to be modeled in the C-suite. And so when I talk to executives and they ask me about programming for DEI and what things they need for their team, I kind of chuckle and I say, well, let's take a step back and talk about the personal discovery journey for you as a leader and how we can help with that. And those leaders that embrace that in a full-throated way are more likely to see powerful impact in their organization because our society is still hierarchical. Our society, no matter how much we want to change and, and create more autonomy and create more space for leaders to emerge from the bottom up, we still want to make sure our boss, our leader, our CEO is pleased with us. So we mimic what we see and hear within these organizations. And so to get momentum started, the C-suite has to lead the way through their behavior that aligns with their actions. I couldn't agree with you more. And I, I think that so often, and I don't think that it's, you know, bad intentions. I don't think anybody's malicious about it. I think in some ways it's because people are really eager to see this change happen. Uh, we get a lot of pushback on that. 
right? We get a lot of pushback and people say, no, 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 no. I, I want to jump right into what are the action items going to be? What are my, let's look at those SOPs and, and how we're going to change them. And what do you do when you see that, right? What do you do and how do you deal with that when you're, when people yeah, resist, right? Some of that personal development that needs to happen. Where does it come from? Yeah. I think that resistance at the executive level that I've seen is fear-based, right? Leaders and organizations are paid to be right. If they're a public company, they're rewarded, right? When they meet expectations, they're punished when they don't. So it is a failure of imagination for leaders to really step back and think about how they started and they grew to leadership. They took risks. They took stretch assignments. They learned new things. They led and worked in different parts of an organization. We have to take leaders back to how they got where they are, not how they're operating as they are today. And usually when you take leaders back through their progression, they can tell you stories of times they took risk. They took a job that didn't really make sense, but they learned different things. They responded and came back from failure. And I use those things in their history to show them a path forward, how DEI is very similar and the rewards will be just as great for taking that risk of moving forward. You know, so we're teaching a, a course right now through Uplifting Impact with the University of Wisconsin-Madison, their Center for Professional and Executive Development. That's such a long, wonderful title. And uh, one of the... <laughs> yeah. So, so one of the, the things that we talk about there though, and when we kind of, you know, designed the, the coursework, one of the classes that we have is a class all around writing your autobiography really taking some time to think about what does it look like? Now we do most of our diversity, equity, inclusion work, you know, as I know that you do too, uh, through a lens of, of race, right? Uh, that, that is something that we have a lot of experience since we've done, we've done a lot of our research. And so when we take people through that experience, one of the really fascinating things they say is very similar to what you just said now is, wow, I never really thought about, right? Like when you're in the moment and you're experiencing these things, you never really thought about it. And so a lot of people will say, no, I I never had a a racial incident, you know, like I've never had a, a time where I, but no, there was a time, right? And there was probably multiple times where you were racialized, right? Or gendered or, or whatever, you know, the, the case may be. And so taking them back to those moments, as soon as you do it, you almost see the aha moment, like, that's right. oh, that's what it feels like. Oh, that's, that's right. what people are talking about. Oh, that's why it doesn't work just like this. Oh, that's why I might have this kind of reaction when we have these conversations. Oh, that, and you just see it, right? It's, it's like, it's like, it opens a, a beautiful Pandora box of all kinds of treasures, because then when they're talking to their people, they can be so much more authentic. No, I think, you know, I agree. And to expand upon that, right? Leaders need space to be vulnerable and to practice without punishment. Yes. One of the things that's tough to do when you're in that position, that ivory tower, so to speak, of leadership, but until we create a space where people can practice without punishment, we're not really going to move the conversation forward as quickly as we need to, right? It is one thing to hold people accountable for things they say, right? And that's important, right? We need to talk more strongly in an inclusive language. So we need to move away from you guys and say everyone. Totally agree. However, we don't need to penalize people 
for every small misstep on a journey forward that then restricts their ability to take chances in an arena that's new to them. And so we got to find that, that balance between accountability for the behavior that we should expect that human decency demands, but also create some grace that allows people to move forward at a reasonable pace. I'll, I'll give one example personally. Please. It is, it is taking me a moment to both really understand and appreciate, right, the LBGTQ community and all of the different acronyms, right? Because right. I wanted to speak powerfully. I wanted to speak in, in an inclusive way, but I had so much learning to do. So I was very, very fortunate that in my walk in journey, I have people that are around me, that counsel me, that coach me, that have given me grace to ask a few questions in a space to where I'm in a learning mode. But at the same time, because they're in a teaching mode, they're trying to bring me along, not always in a judgment mode. I could not agree with you more. And, you know, I think that people think because we're DEI experts that we don't make this, this mistake yesterday. I was on the call with like a hundred people. And I said, you guys, and I said, why did you, right. I might've already done it. I, I, it, it, I'm from the Midwest. We say that a lot. It is not okay. And when I catch myself, I get that icky feeling in my belly. Like, who are you, Deanna? You know better. You know this, right? I, I think to, to extend that is one thing that is super positive is that as you start to move in your DEI journey, as you want to be more inclusive, as you want to be an impact player in this moment, your hearing will tune itself. Right. And now all of a sudden that correction will become more natural. Right. right. I have a friend of mine, his name is John Samuel, and he is uh he's he, he lost his vision when he was an MBA student at NC State. My proximity and relationship with John has created a different level, a heightened level of empathy for people with disabilities. So John and I now have the ability to talk as colleagues, as friends, as business partners, but sometimes I'm the student, he's the teacher and sharing different experiences in his walk. So now I can be a stronger advocate for people with disabilities because I'm learning and I'm growing, but that proximity gave me space. And so my encouragement to people is when you're looking at DEI, one of the simple things you can do is expand your personal network. Absolutely. By expanding your personal network, you will have natural encounters, you will have new friendships that develop and people that you can just talk with and chat with. And because they know your heart, your perspective, you have a little more openness than you do sometimes in the workplace where yeah. you do need to get it right more, more often than not. And so I encourage people to expand their personal networks to give them some space to have some new experiences, but not under kind of the corporate clock. Yeah. Right? So, to, so to speak. And you know, one of the things that we encourage people to do is to take that to the next level, right? Because people, they're like, I mean, this is obviously not what you're saying, but right. It's like hard. It's like, well, wait, do I just go out? And then I'm like, Hey, you want to be my friend? What about you? Want to be my friend? Right. Like that, that, friend. Right. Exactly. Right. Like that, that's kind of, you know, but one of the things that we encourage people to do is like, we do live in the information age. We do have access to all kinds of resources and technology that does allow for us to build relationships. And so how do you actively reach out to other people? And is it through following some new groups on Twitter? Is it through, uh, you know, hanging out in a new Facebook group? Is it to, like, what are the, there's so many places that you could go to, again, to foster these kinds of relationships, right? And build these kinds of relationships in an authentic way to you 
and in an authentic way to the people that you're trying to have proximity to. Yeah, I think it's perfect. I think one of the examples that I use very simply is start following different folks on LinkedIn with different backgrounds, different perspectives. Yeah. Right? When they say something you like, like it. Like don't make it, right? When when you when when they're talking about something you want to comment on, comment on it. But you develop that relationship through that like-mindedness of thought, right? Whatever topic they're working on. The second thing that I highly encourage leaders to do is simply volunteer. Yes. Right. There mm-hmm. are schools, there are organizations that are always looking for talent to inspire the next generation. Right. And that starts to give you access to young people, to teachers, to professors at the college university level. And that's easy because you can do it at a level of your commitment. Right. right. And then the final thing that, that I would say that I think is really important is just be mindful what you read and watch. Oh, There's yes. Great documentaries. Uh, that really the 13th, for example, on Netflix, right? And it really goes in and talks about the 13th Amendment and how we thought we're taught in school that that amendment abolished slavery, kind of, <laughs> except for that little clause in there, right? That if right. you were imprisoned, right, you can use lose your rights to freedom uh, for the rest of your life. And that labor shortage was re-engaged, right, through our criminal justice system. Right. But through watching that video, that documentary, excuse me, it is very balanced. It talks to Democrats, Republicans, white people, black people. It was great, but it gives a psychological safety to learn a little bit on your own, but start to give you a different perspective than maybe you normally would in your current circle of influence. And, you know, it's so awesome, right? Because I think sometimes when you're on these things and you're kind of doing these different things, it's hard in the minute and in the moment while you're doing it to really recognize the kind of growth that you're having. But then you get to these spaces where, you know, you do get the next level in leadership or you do get to have a conversation that you're like, wow, six months ago, I couldn't have had that conversation without like sweating, having changed my shirt, right? Like (laughs) I couldn't have had that conversation with, you know, without just fear and trembling. And now I'm there. Right. And so I think it's having grace in like giving people grace and having, you know, being able to make mistakes and safe, but it's also having grace for yourself and also some, some celebration too, right. So bringing some of that, that like, yeah, I'm on this. I'm, I'm learning. I, I, I used to do this. I don't do that anymore. I know better. I do better. Right. And, and that, that kind of filling yourself back up with that too. Cause if you're always like, Oh, I got to do better. I got to, you know, and don't give yourself that. That can also be problematic. Yeah, that's right. I think that one of the things I was on a, a call with 12 other executives here locally in the Raleigh area, and we were talking about diversity, equity, inclusion, and I was a participant. I wasn't the moderator. I, I went to just increase my learning. The facilitator was, was amazing. One of the questions that was asked is tell me a DEI win, large or small, in your organization in the last 30 days. And we created space for people to share their victory and we celebrated each other's movement forward. It's awesome. Right? And we are all independent of our level in business, our experience. We all like compliments. (laughs) (laughs) Most people like compliments. Right. If, if, If we get compliments, we get positive reinforcement, we're more likely to continue on that path. Absolutely. So, Another big thing, right, that we kind of come to and, and that happens with, with individuals is people will, we start to have these conversations and I'm, I'm sure you had it, right? Where people are like, okay, I want to get in this diversity, equity, and inclusion space. I really want to, you know, become better. I want my company to become better. And uh, they, they want you, they want to say, well, but, you know, before we do anything, before we take any steps, let's go ahead and spend the next 12 months or 12 years writing our strategy. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
<laughs> okay. So you're laughing. So I, you know, I'm being a little, a little facetious here, but like what happens in those moments? How do you respond? Because of course we want to help people develop their plans. And that's really important because this has to move into how we are thinking about our overall strategy as an sure. organization, but how do we help people not get stuck that that's the only option uh, to move forward and that they have to have that before they can, they can do anything. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. So two things that we do, um, number one, is we start with the end in mind, right? And I think, you know, Stephen Covey, a lot of people have talked about that, but that's a great way to crystallize the outcome that people are trying to achieve. Right. And it doesn't mean it has to be fully crystallized, but give me some things that a year from now, five years from now, you'd like to see different in your organization. And let's start there. And then now let's talk about two or three low cost, high impact things we can do mm -hmm. to move us in that direction. And then what we end up with is a low hanging fruit worksheet that sure. basically has five to seven ideas that we could really implement in an organization tomorrow, et cetera. And by doing that, we now get them in the mindset of long-term strategy, short-term wins, to drive momentum for that big strategy. And Absolutely. so we talk about the ability to do both. Right. No, I love, I really love that. And I, I, I think that that applies in diversity, equity, inclusion, but it also just applies in like general management, right? General, it, it's, a, it's a principle that we use in a lot of different spaces. How are we going to create some of the momentum that we need to do okay. the big heavy change? work at the end, right? Like, what does that look like? And if we don't develop those opportunities to compliment people, to grow, to celebrate, it's going to be so hard to change the course and the direction of our ship, right? We need to have those, those incremental changes along the way. One of my favorite words, Deanna, is momentum. Yeah. Because that allows us now to bring other people on board quickly. It allows us to think about how do we get off to a good quality, fast start it allows us to figure out how we're going to achieve transformational goals. That one word, we can talk through a lot of the different elements of succeeding through how do you develop momentum, right? When you're leading organizational change. So it's a word I use a lot to try to gear the conversation uh, in a manner that is strategic for sure, but action oriented always. It's one of my favorite words too. I, I've been playing around with it all day, actually. So it's glad we're, I'm glad we're thinking the same way. That that means I'm do, that means I must be doing something right. Hey, well, we're, we're doing it wrong together, and we'll figure it out <laughs> in a momentous uh, in a momentous way. <laughs> we'll figure it out. That's right, Donald. It's been so lovely to chat with you. I, I'm just so excited about all the work that you're doing and all the ways that you're helping to really change the way that we think about diversity, equity, and inclusion. I, I really appreciate the strategic approach that you apply in the work that you do and, and the fact that you're willing to have these conversations around the business side of what happens when it comes to diversity, equity, inclusion. That's a, a it's an important part of, of the dialogue and one that I think, you know, people shy away too fast from often. So thank you so much for being here with me today. I'm, I'm sure that people are going to want to see more about the fantastic work that you are doing. Um, could you just let us know, let the listeners know, where do they go to get more information, Donald? So two places, right? LinkedIn is amazing because I love meeting, connecting with new folks. So if you message me, if you have a question, I'll always get back to folks. The other is the diversitymovement.com. We have a lot of free resources and information because we think that we certainly have a monetary goal in terms of building a company, but our mission supersedes it all. So we have a lot of information so that people can get to know us or they can use that information to start their own programming 
We don't really care about that as long as we're putting good seed out there on how to think about diversity, equity, inclusion, and help people move forward. That's amazing. You are definitely putting good seed out there. You put good seed out there even through this podcast today. So thank you so much, Donald. And thank you to everybody who took the time to listen to this conversation. We're grateful for all of you. Please go ahead and continue to help us plant these seeds by sharing the podcast with other people. We would love to have other people join us um, in this conversation because we here at Uplifting Impact believe that the more people who are having these kinds of conversations, the more people who are pushing themselves in these directions, the more people who are asking those questions and and taking that time to do the personal assessments, that that's where real change can happen. So thank you so much for being with us here uh, today. And we can't wait to be with you on the next show. Take care. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.